Thanks, Gregor. I gotta take the trash out while we do the show tonight. Oh my god. Uh, but I don't know where to find my Everton. <laughs> Got him. Ah! Ah! Ah, folks, he never stops. <laughs> he, he literally never stops. Y'all don't understand. Uh, welcome to the Foreign Affair Podcast, episode 459. I'm Edward Green. That's Wes Bradshaw. Y'all don't understand. It, it just, this is what happens when we're not recording. It's still make fun of Everton. Just, just like I make fun of Everton. It's what I do. It's what we have at this point, folks. Um, yeah, a, a remix of a former early Kyler song. I, I, I don't much care for Everton. He doesn't really care for Everton. Thank you, T Pain. We love, we love T Pain here. Oh, T Pain. What, what a, what a gentleman and a scholar. Um. We got some stuff to talk about today. Um, some of the stuff we were going to talk about last week, uh, but couldn't, uh, although Wes did a very good Anfield corner last week, I thought. <laughs> not, not bad for a second trip. I actually thought the second one was really, really good. Um, we'll do but that. I was, I, was, I was a little fired up last week. You were a little fired up last week, I could tell. <laughs> I was fired up. I can't, I can't remember what I told about, but I, I remember I was fired up. I remember I remember you didn't, you didn't do it in the one that ended up getting sent to me. But I do remember you talked a lot about how you had, uh, how you had solved all of Liverpool's problems in your, I had it figured out. I had it figured out. And, and yeah. And, and, but part of it was getting Jude belly and which apparently we're out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's, that's, that's one of the tabs I have open. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, it's going to be a fun one, folks. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, we're going to be going over the Premier League. We're going to be over the first leg of the Champions League quarterfinals. That happened uh, these last two days. So we'll be covering that. Uh, and yeah, we'll then hit the news and notes and do a little watch for and call it a podcast. So let's get into the matches uh, of the week that were. Uh, we lead off with Everton because, <laughs> you know, have a little joy in our lives. Uh, it uh, does come at the expense though, of Manchester United getting a 2-0 win. Uh, Scott McTominay. His uh his thirty second thirty six minute goal uh, from Jaden Sancho was the opener for United uh, after a long long stretch of dominance in the first half for them. Uh, Everton never quite got on the front foot. Excuse me, apologies. Uh, they did have a nice little stretch uh, around the hour mark, uh, but immediately after, at about the seventieth minute, uh, United wrestled back control and Anthony Martial put the match away for good with his goal to make it two nil as Everton stay near the bottom of the table. Uh, Aston Villa. Aston Villa, all of a sudden, I know we do our table look at the end. Uh, Aston Villa, all of a sudden, is sixth in the Premier League. I I, I don't know how this happened, but here we are. Um, Aston Villa beats Nottingham Forest 2-0, crushing the entire match. First goal, Wes, name that Traore. It was Bertrand. We were looking for Bertrand. (laughs) Oh, I, that was my next. That was my next guess. <laughs> if I ever get to name game. anything, I'm screaming out. Just there you go. Um, Ollie Watkins adding his second one uh, in deep, deep, deep stoppage time to give Aston Villa the nice two 0 lead. There, uh, Newcastle. Oh, they're dangerous. They're scoring more than one goal now. Two uh, one winners over Brentford, uh, coming back from an Ivan Tony penalty just at the side of the half. Um, they were able to come back uh, through an own goal from David Rea and then Alexander Isak socked it into the net and gave Newcastle their 2-1 win. 
Uh, West Ham also quietly starting to play just a little bit better. I uh, have a good match against Fulham where they win 1-0 through a Harrison Reed own goal. And they were able to hang on towards the end of the match in Fulham's uh, last little few last-ditch efforts. Uh, Bournemouth, very important three points for them as they beat Leicester City 1-0. Philip Billings goal in the 40th minute. Uh, the difference there, um, Harvey Barnes leaving late uh, through an injury. Uh, for Leicester City, that could be a big blow for them as they um, as they try to stay up in the Premier League. Fiery contest at still yet to be named Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as they win 2-1 over Brighton. Uh, Deserby and Stellini, the managers for each team, both being sent off with red cards for failure to control um, their benches. Um, but even then, before the match, uh, Deserby... I'm assuming through something that was lost in translation was just not happy with uh, interim Spurs manager, Christian Stellini. Um, so they were, they were going at it for a long time. Uh, Brighton also had multiple goals ruled out through VAR. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting day for, uh, for, for Tottenham and Brighton. Uh, Son picks up his 100th uh, career goal and a Spurs jersey. Kane adds on to his illustrious career to give Spurs the 2-1 win. Um, hey, good thing they changed managers. Wolves beat Chelsea 1-0. Uh, Matias Nunez, another another Nunez and Wolves doing well. Uh, he gives Wolves their lone goal of the match as they were able to get another one there and uh, you know help themselves possibly stay up in the Premier League. City all of a sudden looking like the world beaters that they are. 4-1 winners over Southampton. Uh, just dominated the match thoroughly and convincingly the whole way through. Um, also dominating Crystal Palace, 5-1 over Leeds. Um, big win for them. Obviously, Woy's got this team firing on all cylinders again. Uh, brace for Andre AU in this one. Uh, big for uh, someone, uh, someone. Someone get Todd Bowley on the phone. There's a there's a hot new half-line manager here in the Premier League he might want to poach. If only. I would I would laugh so hard. Um, and then finally, uh, to cap things off, uh, Liverpool played a very, very good draw against Arsenal. 2-2 the final. Bobby Firmino in uh, one of his final curtain calls for Liverpool does equalize things in the 87th minute. Uh, Liverpool dominating really for a lot of this match. After about the 40th minute, it was a... Uh, a lot, a lot of Liverpool uh, things starting off with Mo Salah's goal in the 42nd minute. Uh, Arsenal's goals both coming in the first half an hour through Martinelli and Jesus. Um, also, Gabriel, just as a quick note, it's not a no-look pass if you stop looking after you pass it. Just just mm-hmm. throwing that out there. It's it's not actually no-look if you... Anyway, m- minor, minor things. Um, but yeah, a very important draw for Liverpool as they look to keep trying to get towards one of those European spots. Very important draw for Arsenal as because of that, and we'll get to in the table later, uh, they mostly don't control their own destiny anymore um, with with this result of the match. Um, So Wes, I'm sure you're going to want to start here. Um, You you gave up again last week, and by God, Liverpool came out and played one of their best matches of the season, especially after the 40th minute. Um, But let's get your thoughts on the, uh, the weekend that was in the Premier League. Oh, that Bobby lad loves a goal against the Gunas. Loves a goal against Arsenal. He's done he it so though. many times over the years. He's he he personally 
has tormented Arsenal in his time at Liverpool. So, uh, you know, last time that he sees him at Anfield, gets him one more time for good measure. God, so many conflicting feelings about this result. Um, hey, Ed, is this once again the new dawn for Liverpool? It couldn't be another false dawn. Couldn't be. <laughs> God, that final 50 minutes they played. Dare I say, Ed, that was Klopp's red rockets. Back in flight, soaring for the moon, looking for all the world like a championship team, like a team of champions, Ed, a team that it was just deeply ingrained in their DNA. Hey, we've won every fucking trophy known to man. And this is what we can do when we pretend like we're still that team. Um, the only dim spot on the second half was uh, Mo Salah's penalty. Yeah, Oof. that was, that was uh, Salah for his second second consecutive penalty doesn't even put it on target. Yeah. I mean, missed everything. Jesus. Yeah. So now there's questions about, well, will Salah continue to take penalties? Oh, we'll see how that shakes out. But in the conflicted feelings, so on my on my levels of hate, yes, I've got to figure out. I've got to figure things out here because, <laughs> I mean, I don't like Arsenal at all. I have no love for the Gunners, the Gooners. We have we have, part of this podcast was built on making fun of Arsenal. For years. Yeah. But man, do I despise Manchester City. <laughs> I despise Pep Guardiola. I despise what that organization stands for. I despise the way that they run that club. I despise the way that Pep feigns complete innocence and ignorance to any wrongdoing. <sighs> But mostly, Ed, I despise Manchester United. But anyway, they're, they're secondary because they're, they're not involved here. I just needed to get that off my chest, how much I hate Manchester United. So, <clears throat> with a victory, Arsenal would have kept their own destiny alive to win the league. Instead, Liverpool gets the draw, which it's like, I can't be upset because them's my boys and they got that draw. And Bobby got that equalizer and life was good. But man, did Liverpool beating Arsenal open the door for City? Sure did. Because I, I'm I'm gonna be fucking disgusted if City wins the league again. Just 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 fucking disgusted. So those are kind of my those are kind of my feelings in the match. Those are those are my heartstrings. It's like, damn it, awesome boys, but then it's like, oh boys. I love y'all, but this is when y'all, this is the time y'all decide to pull out your performance, huh? Yeah. It's frustrating. So, yeah. um, Just thoughts on the actual match itself. Um, Liverpool looking the way they've been looking recently at the back, just wide open. Trent forgetting that he's a right back. Um, 
not bothering to defend anyone, leaving acres and acres of space for Kanate to have to defend, which, sorry, he can't do it all by himself. Virgil's still not looking the 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 Rolls Royce that he once was. And, I mean, it's not to say Virgil van Dyke's not a good player right now, mm-hmm. but he's not looking a Rolls Royce, Ed. He's looking more, more and more uh, a, a nice Toyota Camry every day. So we need to get we need Verge to get back to his imperious self. But man, up 2-0, Arsenal in control at Anfield, a place they haven't won since 2012. And Ed, you knew the only thing that could get Liverpool back in that match was a spark. Something to piss them off and really get under everything. Enter Granite Shaka. Because, man, nobody does, no matter how good things are going and how good a season he's having in, you can always count on Granite Shaka to do something stupid. And, boy, he did it. Getting Love into it. it with Trent, the Anfield crowd, a cauldron just boiled over at that point. And suddenly, as I said earlier, Liverpool looked their imperious best. Um, So, one thing I'm really, really intrigued to see going forward, did Jurgen Klopp finally just say, fuck it, Trent, go play midfield? Mm. Mm. Because, my God, Trent moved up and Trent kind of played – in, in a position in the second half, like a right-sided midfielder. And suddenly Trent Alexander-Arnold looked like fucking Pete Steven Gerrard out there, spraying passes, setting people up, driving them forward. And suddenly it's like, holy shit, are we seeing the introduction of a midfielder? Um, I, I don't know. I, Klopp hasn't come out and said anything about that. It, it may have just been a tactical move at the moment, but this is something that fans have been screaming out for years now. Oh, move Trent to midfield, move into midfield. We've talked about it repeatedly on this podcast. We have. This is not a new thing. Um, <laughs> Klopp has always said, well, why? I have the best right back in the world. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, ha- you have the best passer playing right back in the world. We'll put it that way. <laughs> you have a hell of a dude passing the ball, playing right back. The farther this thing's gone on, the more and more I think we're seeing Trent Alexander-Arnold is not exactly a real right back. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's kind of getting to that point in his career now where, you know, Trent's not a baby anymore. Trent is uh, Trent's at that age where, you know, he's got to step up and be one of the leaders of this squad. And maybe it's time to make that move. Um, the vaunted revamp of the midfield supposedly coming this summer. <laughs> mm. sounds, like it will, sounds like it will not involve the addition of one Jude Bellingham. Oh, God. But, um, you know, could, could Trent Alexander-Arnold be a part of that plan? Um, Liverpool bought a, a really exciting uh, young prospect from Scotland last summer who hasn't played very much at all, but you know, could that be could that be an answer to maybe the right back situation, move Trent in the midfield, and suddenly you've 
you're taking care of a massive problem and also potentially strengthening. Um, these are, I guess these are the big questions that you, that you have to go over and have to think about going forward. But I mean, for, for, for that second 45, Trent Alexander Arnold looked absolutely spectacular in midfield. Just looked like he was born to play that position on the right side. Uh, looked like he was born to put in passes and set up guys and, and just throw haymakers on there. So yeah, that that could be a part of the big revamp. Because it once again sounds like we ain't got any money figure. Um, uh, so uh, as you said, Arsenal no longer control their own destiny. They've got to, they've got to win. Um, now I believe if they they do have a head to head with City. Yep. If they match. win that, right? They if they win that head to head with City, then they go back to controlling their destiny. I believe. Am I right? Yes, you're correct. Okay. Yes. So the reason the reason City control their right. own destiny is because right now there's a six-point gap. City have a match in hand, right. though, and so that right. would, and if they beat Arsenal, that, that erases it all. Right. If, right. if City right. wins out, yeah. the best Arsenal can hope for is that they somehow overcome City on goal differential. And that ain't going to happen. So. Mm, yeah. uh, City, City are absolutely just punishing people right now, so that ain't going to happen. Um, yeah, so, you know, yeah, technically, yes, City do control their destiny. Arsenal kind of do too, though. So I think we can say it for both of them. Mm-hmm. Arsenal do control their destiny, and that destiny involves you better not lose to Manchester City. Yeah. So um, that is going to be a massive one. I believe that's August 20. August shit. April 29th, <laughs> I believe. Uh, Boy, I'm there, yeah. I believe it's April 29th. Um, God, that that's going to be just a massive match. No, if both it's teams match, it's April twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. Okay, okay, okay. So it's on that week. It's during the week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I knew it was late in April. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I mean, that's that's going to be the one right here. God, I bet the Premier League is just absolutely kicking themselves right now that that's a fucking midweek match. Yup. Because, oh my god, that could be a freaking ratings bonanza. But some of us have to work. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it might not be a ratings bonanza. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there is so much intrigue still coming in this race. So much still coming in this race. Um, elsewhere in the Premier League. And one team I just want to point out, uh, Newcastle. So, Ed, I, I don't know if we've talked about the 11.7 podcast before. I don't um, think it's, so. It's, it's basically like the Well, it's the best college baseball podcast out there. Okay. Um, it's pretty much like the only college baseball podcast out there. But these guys, they, they do a super, super job. There was an article in The Athletic. The Athletic wrote an article about them last year. Um, during like the regionals or something. Okay. Uh, but these guys, are, these guys are really good, really good. Um, but they've kind of got this theory about teams winning the College World Series. They said the best way to win the College World Series is to 
kick ass early in the year, and then just know that you're going to go in a slump during the middle of the season. Okay. And then you want to get, and then you just have to survive, get yourself to a regional, and get hot. Like, okay. Get hot. This is basically now not saying that Newcastle are going to win the league because obviously they're not. But this is kind of what we're seeing from Newcastle United. They started the season like gangbusters. They've had this midseason lull. Are they hitting? Are they hitting that top level again, where they're going to cruise themselves in in third place? Um, that that's sort of what it looks like because you know that what we went about six weeks where they could not score more than one goal. Yeah, and now suddenly Newcastle is starting to find those shooting boots again, mm-hmm. and. Um, Oh boy, I, I don't know if Newcastle's ownership was thinking this year pushing themselves into a Champions League spot. If not, boy, they have done a hell of a job to get themselves ahead of schedule because yeah. they they look really good. Um, you know, the, the thing with Newcastle, it's kind of like it's like you, you want to root for Newcastle in a way. But then it comes that you want to root for Newcastle because of the history of Newcastle. Yeah. But then what sucks is that god dang Middle yep. Eastern Saudi yep. money. Yeah, it's not great. And that's what that sucks. That's what really sucks about it. But you know what? United are probably about to get that shit too. So screw you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, not happy about that either. But uh. That that's kind of unfortunately that's kind of like the the dark cloud hanging over this. But on the field, the part that we really the part that really matters what is happening literally on the field. Mm-hmm. Newcastle looked like they found that second win, and yeah. I think it's you know they sh- I, I believe they can keep this up, and they have a uh, they have a really good shot at hitting third place now in this season, which is. Absolutely incredible because this is a team. Yeah, they've gone out and they spent some money, but it's you know everybody was screaming, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna go and try to buy Mbappe and all this." They didn't bother with that. They just went out and made good, astute football signings, mm-hmm. and they they have sat back and let Eddie Howe manage his football team. You know when. <laughs> Let's put it this way. If Todd Bowley was in charge, Eddie Howe probably would have been fired in about mid-February when they <laughs> scored some goals. Uh, you know, they'd be on like their third manager already somehow with Todd Bowley in charge. So, um, I mean, really respect respect to them for doing what they've done. Unfortunately, as I said, though, there is that kind of dark cloud hanging over it. But yeah, deal with that as we have to. Um, mentioned earlier, Aston Villa quietly, nearly silently, almost um, up to sixth place right now. Uh, you guys know what Steven Gerrard means to me. I love Steven Gerrard. Uh, but a a huge move by Villa earlier in the season to go ahead and make the switch. Um, God, Unai Emery. Everybody likes to make fun of Unai Emery. God, he's good. He's just, he's good. He's a good manager. He, that's it. I mean, he's just a really yeah. good manager. 
and they have quietly found their feet. And God, if Villa can get themselves into Europe next season, that is a uh, that is a huge feather in the cap for Unai Emery and, and that club going forward. And man, you know it, it's now. Of course, Ed, the the you and I we um, we care first and foremost about the health and the success of our two clubs. That being Liverpool and uh, Tottenham Football Club, um, Tottenham Hotspur. And we, if it was up to us, they would finish one, two every season in, in whichever order, you know, either mm. of us would pick, of course. Um, but man, even at the expense maybe of Liverpool and not quite Tottenham yet, well, Tottenham maybe a little bit with um, Newcastle, it's pretty freaking cool to see some, uh, see some fresh uh, bodies at the top of this Premier League jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for for five seasons, it, this this entire league has been Liverpool City, Liverpool City, Liverpool City. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong; I mean, obviously, for my squad, that was great. You know, we we've had a great run. But man, seeing the Newcastles of the world, the Aston Villas of the world, um, the the Brighton and Hoves of the world, uh, Arsenal up near the up at the top of the league right now, um, seeing that fresh blood and some fresh meat in the Premier League, that's going to do nothing but improve the league itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'll between begrudgingly... Villa, Brighton, Brentford, Fulham, all in the top ten. Oh, yeah. I, I will begrudgingly take that even at the, um, you know, at the, as much as it hurts as a Liverpool fan this year, I will begrudgingly take that as a positive. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it has been an interesting league this year. It, it is The league has been... And then, of course, the uh, the relegation battle down there. The league has been as interesting this year as it has been in a very, very long time. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that's about all I got for this week. Oh, and uh, good job, Everton. Really good job. <laughs> that, that's another one of those. I'm completely torn because, you know, fuck United. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, giggle, 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 Everton's terrible. LOL. LOL, indeed. Um, yeah, it's it, it's been a really wild season. Uh, I don't see that slowing up. Um, I think we're going to take a look at the table here in just a moment. Um, I do think we're starting to see just a little bit of stretching out of that relegation battle. I don't think it's going to be, you know, eight teams going to the final weekend with a chance to drop. Um, but I still think it's going to remain pretty close the entire way through. So we're going to we're going to check that out here in just a moment. For now, though, your look at the week that will be here in the Premier League this Saturday, 7.30 a.m. It's sixth place Aston Villa versus third place Newcastle. Of course it is. Just this... as just as we predicted at the beginning of the year. Absolutely. Um, then at 10 a.m., uh, Chelsea versus Brighton. One of those teams is in the top half of the table, and it's not Chelsea. Uh, also <laughs> at 10 a.m., Everton versus Fulham, Southampton, Palace, Spurs, Bournemouth, and Wolves Brentford and at 12:30 it's Manchester City versus Leicester. Uh on Sunday at 9 a.m. it's a London derby as West Ham takes on Arsenal and 11:30 a.m. Forest plays host to United. Then on Monday uh Liverpool back on a Monday night uh 3 Boy, they'll be they'll be heading to Leeds uh to take on to take on that side there and see if they can keep marching up the table which looks like this now 
Uh, Arsenal, six points up on City. City have match in hand and still a match to play against Arsenal to come. Newcastle in a distant third, uh, level on points with United, but a much, much better goal differential. Uh, Spurs right now, three points back. Villa are about six points out of that top Europa League spot, uh, but Brighton and Hove just one point back of them. Liverpool, three points back of sixth place uh, right now, and then Brentford, four points back as well. The bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, still still pretty big. Uh, Palace, again, the big win for them. They're now at 33 points. Wolves at 31. West Ham and Bournemouth at 30. Leeds at 29. Everton, first team staying up at 27. Thanks to goal differential only. Nottingham Forest also at 27. Leicester right now at 25. Southampton at 23. So a little bit of separation throwing form. But again, Eight matches still to play for almost everybody except West Ham, who have nine. Plenty of time for things still to change with this pact. As out, um, out of out of that group at the bottom, mm-hmm. I'm just I've got a feeling we've still got at least one managerial change left this season. Hmm. Let me actually, I just close that tab. Let me bring that back up. Oh, okay. um, Would, wouldn't be surprised if it's not a forced. Interesting. Okay, because I was I was about to ask you, I was like, I was gonna be where where do you think it's gonna be? Because obviously we'll get to a little bit of the Leicester news. They just changed managers. Um I don't know if oh. Southampton will again change managers. That that might be that might be already a bridge too far situation. Um so yeah, it could be forced. I mean, I don't think Everton's obviously gonna do it again. Um <laughs> <laughs> you never know though. No, um, no, no, I think they're happy yeah. with Dodge. Uh, mostly because Allardyce uh, can do it again. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think Leeds. I you know, let's see. You know, Warnham's played the Spurs this weekend. If they don't win that match, maybe. So yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting. Forced, forced is a good shout though. Forced, forced with another loss, and they. I I know I just went over. They play United, so that's probably Forest. Forest have a brutal schedule coming up, I believe. Let's see. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, let's go through it. Uh, home to United, uh, at Liverpool, home to Brighton, go to Brentford, home for Southampton. That's the first kind of break. And then go to Chelsea, home for Arsenal, go to Palace. Um, yeah. It's brutal. Oh, boy. Brutal run. I mean, they have four matches uh, left in April against again United, Liverpool, Brighton, Brentford. Yeah. They maybe come out of that with a point, maybe two. Well, I guess and that depends on how generous Liverpool are feeling. <laughs> True. They just took two points from Arsenal. They got to give those to somebody. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, Liverpool's charity tour continues. <laughs> Oh man, that's good stuff. Mm. Right, Never forget, the there's 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 no better time to look like shit than after looking like World Cup. <laughs> exactly. Let's head to the Champions League now. Uh, quarterfinals, uh, first legs are done, uh, and and some pretty oh, interesting results here. Um, we'll start with maybe somewhat the most surprising, I think. Man City three, Bayern Munich nil. Um, City City did whatever they wanted to pretty much in this match and made Bayern Munich uh, look really stupid. Uh, made one of the best young players in the world, Upam Kamano. Oh, I, wow, I butchered that. I apologize, sir. Um, 
but they made him look really bad. He played as bad as I just said his last name. That's that's the extent that was. Um, and City just ran all over Munich. Uh, Rodri with a goal in the first half. Silva and Alon with goals in the final 20 minutes to cap things off as they'll head back to Munich next week for the second leg. Uh, elsewhere, Real Madrid comfortably got past Chelsea 2-0 in their first leg. Uh, Benzema's goal in the first half and Asensio's goal in the second half. All the cushion they need there as they'll head to London next week. Inter with a big 2-0 win on the road at Benfica. Um, Lukaku's penalty uh, capped a good night off for them in the 82nd minute. Uh, and they'll be heading to uh, the San Siro next week to close their matchup. And then uh, AC Milan, 1-0 winners over Napoli. A very tightly contested match. Uh, Napoli probably should have gotten at least one goal in this match, but just couldn't quite finish. And uh, a team that we thought um, might be the best team in Europe coming into this uh, will now have to find a, a nice win at home next week to stay in the competition against their Italian brethren. Um, so, yeah, this is this is shaping up to be a, a somewhat interesting one. and. Um, again, I think that the City one, I don't think it's shocking, Wes, that City beat Bayern, especially in, in, in the library that is the Etihad. Um, <laughs> I think we'll, and we'd heard grumblings, you know, especially once they, uh, they fired Nagelsmann, um, that this, this Bayern Munich team was, was underperforming. There was unrest in the locker room, um, and they just, things were starting to kind of get a little awkward. Um, but something I think you had mentioned, and I, I think rightly so in a previous podcast we did, was, you know, hey, they're actually in a title race against Dortmund. This could be really good for them because they're going to have to stay sharp in the league, <laughs> unlike other years, and that could help them. And what I think we saw today is maybe more so the reason why they're in a title race this year. Uh, with all due respect to Dortmund, um, this Bayern team looked really, really bad against City. Uh, City played really, really well. Pep had a really good game plan. Um, but Bayern also just looked really, really bad. Still have 90 minutes to turn around. Um, of course, there's also the the post-match report uh, that um, uh, Leroy Sané and Sadio Mane uh, came to a bit of fisticuffs in the locker room after the match, the two Munich teammates. Um, so yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there, but this is looking like a very clear sign ahead for City to head to the semifinals, and uh, and we'll see if they join Real Madrid there. As Sadio Mane is as good a human being as you will come across in this world. Big humanitarian. Leroy Sané uh-huh. is a sack of shit. Uh-huh. Has been a sack of shit since his City days. And just continues to be a sack of shit. When Hashtag you Pep was right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know when I'm agreeing with Pep that you know <laughs> something's going on. When you push Stadio freaking Mane to the point that he wants to punch you in the face, that that says it all, dude. I mean, yeah. that just says it all. And I don't know anything behind this, but all I know, I know. Six years of Sadio Mane in my life. I know that that's a hell of a human being. And he ain't just punching people to be punching people. <laughs> so whatever you've done, screw you, Sane. You're a sack of shit. And whatever happened, I'm sure you deserved it. Totally hashtag team Mane. Absolutely. 100%. 
So, uh, yeah, Munich's in big trouble, though. Um, shit, uh, I think maybe one of the most, more surprising ones uh, outside of Napoli. Napoli's, Napoli's yeah. injury is really bad right now. I think that's what kind of got them today. They're hoping to have a few guys back next week to help that out. Um, Benfica losing at home to Inter. Yeah. I think that was one kind of caught some people off guard. I think uh, Benfica were in really kind of a sexy pick to end up in the final four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, everybody's like, oh man, yeah, cool. We'll get like Benfica and Napoli. That'll be awesome. And instead, we're just going to get the two Milans. Ooh, yeah. We're going to get like, uh, <laughs> we're going to get the Darby Della Madonna um, <laughs> in, the, in the semifinal of the Champions League, which. Don't get me wrong, it has its cool factor to it. But, you know, I don't think anyone's calling either Milan or Inter um, like exciting young squads yeah. that everybody wants to see. So, sorry, guys, no offense, but I'm just saying. Yeah, it's just one um, It's going to be interesting. I'm... I I was one of those that was really looking forward to potentially a, a Napoli Benfica semifinal on that side of the bracket, um, with with potentially Napoli going through. And again, it would have been just cool to see. Uh, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago Napoli potentially versus maybe a Manchester City, uh, two teams that have never won the competition to try and go for it. That would have been a lot of fun. And now I'm scared. I'm like, oh god, are, are we hurtling towards another like Real Madrid versus Italian club? final it's just like oh no oh no 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 i so, will literally look you know me i will literally take anything as long as it's not city so true true that's fair that's that's a good yeah. point go go um, ahead and go ahead and crown los blancos again i don't care just yeah. let it be um, yeah that's that's one of those where i'm like oh yay chelsea's gonna get knocked out probably and then i'm like oh Madrid's still in it. Oh, okay, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think that is the interesting thing is like with with all the cool stories, especially on this opposite side of the bracket with, with teams like Benfica and Napoli, the the looming specter that is Real Madrid in the final potentially. Uh, mm. and hey, you know, City City's playing really well. So and that was that was a really close tie last year. Like Benzema kind of had to pull that match out of his ass. Uh, last year when they met up um, for for Madrid to advance. So maybe, maybe there's a chance that uh, City could pip them if they meet next week or uh, the next round. So we'll see. Um, Again, those next uh, legs will be next week. On Tuesday, uh, Real Madrid-Chelsea will happen along with um, AC Milan versus Napoli. And then on Wednesday, it'll be Benfica versus Inter and City versus Bayern. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm fully expecting, um, you know, the city to keep going and, and advance to the semifinals, um, Wes of all the teams that are currently down Chelsea, two nil to Real, um, Benfica, two nil to enter Bayern, three nil to city and Napoli one nil to, uh, to AC Milan, which team do you think has the best chance of turning around and advancing to the semifinals? Uh, out of that, the way the legs are going, definitely Napoli. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I get to go home with it. Um, 
They've been a fantastic team this year. They're, I don't think they're going to be panicking. But the simple fact, too, that they know AC Milan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not like shit. It's Liverpool or it's City or it's someone like that. Um, you know, one of those battle-tested uh, European teams. Uh, it is Milan. Yeah, I guess it, you can say, well, it's in their DNA. Yeah, well, none of those guys are. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it's definitely Napoli has the best chance of returning. Those other ones. I mean, Real looks done and dusted with Chelsea. It's going to it's gonna take a lot more than what Bayern Munich has shown the last few years yeah. for them to oh, return. Yeah. Did he, not saying they can't physically mm-hmm. do it. They've got players, but, man, they haven't put together a performance like they're going to need in a long time. That was like three managers ago. So, um, yeah, I'd definitely say Napoli. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the right answer. Um, I don't know. I, I think Benfica could do it. I, I really do think Benfica could maybe turn it around. Um, they're going to have to do it at the San Siro, which is very, very tough. But I, I think Benfica could do it. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they they managed to turn it around next week. But we'll see. That's why we play. And that's why it's a super fun competition. Um, wow, that was weird. Sorry, I just was pulling up our first athletic story. And their, uh, their scoreboard at the top actually has uh, two of those Champions League matches still going on. That's that's really weird. Uh, let's... <laughs> Okay, Uh, our first story by Rob Tanner and David Ornstein. Uh, Lester wanted Potter, spoke to Marsh and got Smith. The story of their manager search Uh, after firing Brendan Rodgers a couple weeks ago. Lester have now appointed Dean Smith, uh, the venerable Carolina basketball coach, as their interim manager with one of his predecessors, Craig Shakespeare, returning to the club as part of his coaching staff. That that Uh, really says something, Ed, with with us just having the Easter holiday if they got Dean Smith. (laughs) um also not 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 so uh not so christian like uh john terry will be coming with them to be part of the uh the coaching staff side he's just uh, one of the boys lad he's just one of the boys of course he is um according to this article plan a was actually and someone has to show that locker room how to shank how to uh how to shank people short and to uh sleep with their wives it's just lads being lads. Um, according to this, just dance, plan- that is just dance. <laughs> just dance. Uh, plan A was Graham Potter, um, which that's not happening. Uh, they also maybe thought about going with Claude Puel, um, and then uh, ended up with Dean Smith. Um, Jesse Marsh was also a consideration, um, and also said that. Uh, if appointed and unable to keep them up, he'd be prepared to oversee the planning for promotion push next season. Um, but Marsh wasn't their first choice. Um, but yeah, they they really apparently wanted Dean Smith. Um, and I guess Wes, after seeing this, after seeing them go from Rogers to Dean Smith, um, what chances do you give Lester now of staying up in the Premier League? Yeah, I give him no chance. The biggest reason is. There's suddenly a large goal for character. <laughs> and if you don't have character, what You can have players, but if you don't have character. And also, uh, now we'll never know what the hell we're in the... Uh, in the <laughs> True. 
Yeah. Whose name was uh, in the envelope? It wasn't you, Jamie Vardy. I still think it was very interesting, even though he doesn't play for Yeah. Um, as, as some of the comments have kind of said on this article, too, uh, it it is interesting reading this story and seeing kind of how Lester have fallen and shows the shows how tight the margins are for teams that aren't necessarily in the quote unquote big six. Um, because again, Lester at one point had brought up a great squad from the championship. I had a very rocky first year in the premier league, then win the title. And then for quite a few years, we're still around that champions league discussion. And now they've just kind of fallen apart. The backroom staff doesn't seem like they know what they're doing. Um, they've had tragedy with their uh, previous owner, whose name is escaping me, dying in a helicopter crash. Um, but it just really seems like Leicester have lost their way. And how, and again, teams like this, like Leicester, like Wolves, um, they don't have a lot of leeway. Where if they make one or two bad decisions, that's it. Like, think about how many bad decisions Everton have had to make over the past like seven years to get where they are now. Leicester have made a couple of bad decisions and are immediately about to probably get relegated. Um, and so I think that's what this article really says to me as a neutral is just, again, how fine the margins are and how little margin of error you have if you're not one of those big clubs. That's right, because, I mean, really, you look at Leicester within the last few years, I mean, they were, they've they've had their moments at, even after the win in that title. I mean, they were the toast of the Premier League. When they were bringing up this this young, vibrant squad, the, the James Madisons of the world and uh, the Ben Chilwells, you know, but then they started, like it seems to happen, they started getting those players picked off. And then mm-hmm. some of them just didn't develop into what uh, they were expected to. Injuries took their toll. Bad luck. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and here we stand because Leicester, once again, Everton, whatever reason, Everton seemed to have like this buffer that just barely kept them alive. Mm-hmm. With Leicester, it's like they just don't quite have that buffer. And, um, yeah, and, and I mean, I, I, I joke about lacking um, great character. This is I love Brendan so much. Um, but, I mean, that just kind of seems where it is now. I, I think it's going to be extremely difficult for them to find a way to keep themselves up this season. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, the, the meme was, you know, a couple years ago, or even I think a year ago or so. Um, that Leicester was like just going to perennially be this team that was going to choke a Champions League spot because I believe two years in a row yep. they went into the last day with a chance to be yep. in the Champions League and blew both of them and finished fifth. And yep. now all of a sudden they're going to, but they're about to get relegated. And it's like that, that's the danger for these clubs. Now um, it's like, bite, now it's like, you know, bite your arm off for choking yep. on the last day of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Good God, you do anything to choke on the last day of the season. So. Yeah, tragic stuff. We'll see if Dean Smith can turn around, though, in their final eight matches. Um, Wes alluded to this one earlier, where this is an article from James Pierce. Uh, Liverpool out of race to sign Brucey Dortmund's Jude Bellingham this summer. Um, The copium has apparently run out. There's nothing left to huff. 
for Liverpool fans. Jude Bellingham will not be coming over and helping their rebuild next year. Um, it looks like it's going to be down um, uh, to a potential bidding war between Real Madrid and Manchester City because, of course, it is. Um, and so we'll see then what Liverpool decides to go on from there. Um, it looks like a lot of the talk was how there would have been too much money committed to just one player and that would have not have left enough room to to fill in all the other gaps that uh, the Liverpool front office feels like there are in this squad. So as I, I know you're you're absolutely devastated. Do we do we need to pour one out for you and and the Jude bromance tonight? Well, the one thing I will say is over the years with FSG and with uh, with Jurgen Klopp at the helm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed, I remember when he was at Leipzig and Liverpool had ended their interest in Eddie Keita, which I wish they kind of had, but anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, at this point, I wish they had. Ed, I remember a time where, um, you know, we, we ended our interest in Tiago. We said, oh, it just, it's not going to work. No, no interest. No interest in Tiago. Um, Ed, there was a time even Virgil van Dyke. We had ended our interest in Virgil van Dyke. It was reported everywhere. Oh, Virgil, they're not going for Virgil van Dyke. And also, Ed, the one that made Allison Becker. Ed, what do all four of those guys have in common that had their interest ended in them? They all they ended up in. Natty Kett and not for much longer. Than <laughs> uh, yeah, that was like. The signing of this whole clock period that's like, wait a damn minute, what happened? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and you know, it, it, it may be 100% true, but here's the thing as I was, as we were seeing that coming out, we were also seeing other reports that Liverpool had just like lodged a, a, a formal bid to Dortmund, like literally within the same hour of these stories happening. So, Football media, football transfer media, football transfer rumor. Buddy, they love them clicks. They make brand on them clicks. You know who knows about FSG and Liverpool and Dortmund and Jude Bellingham? Those people who I just said. That's who know what the hell's going on. Mm. So every now and then we just got to take our, our, our football transfer news with a grain of salt. And uh, not saying it will happen, but I'm I'm not totally just shutting the door on, oh, FSG if fucked it and Jude's not coming and life's over. I'm not ready to go down that just yet. We'll see. It's not a positive it's not it's not what I would call a positive development. <laughs> but I, I don't think it's a death knell either quite yet. The, the copium, the copium has not run out yet. I say we're still, still never for me. <laughs> I'm, just on, I'm just on Bradshaw. I'm just on to the ether now. So huffing the copium, um, copium turns to hopium. Um, so we'll get to our next story. Well, that's. That's oh god, that this summer is gonna be nothing but that story. Um, also potentially this one, uh, from Peter Rutzler, Mario Cortegana, and more. Uh, killing Mbappe, a PSG marketing video that upset him and what we know about his future because 
the thing I'm starting to realize the more and more I read about this Kylian Mbappe transfer saga is that Kylian Mbappe might be the most sensitive, thin-skinned dude in the entire planet. Like, literally everything. Every time we have a Kylian Mbappe story, it's like, you won't believe this tiny little thing that sent him into a tizzy. And it's like, dude, come on, man. Like, so... Who knows? Um, no, who cares about why he's mad? It, it's literally just going to come down to between them and Real Madrid. And then if he leaves and potentially Messi leaves, because Barcelona can still spend money, I guess. That's what, what, hap- Shit. what happens to PSG? Um, what happens to French football? Obviously, one of their biggest products. Um, for some time now, leaving uh, the club, the country's title-winning club. Um, well, how does that reflect on the rest of the country? A lot of things to go. Um, I'm I'm already kind of sick of this story, Wes. And and unlike the Bellingham saga, which I mean, I don't. I mean, it's not like Spurs are going to get Mbappe or Bellingham, but like <laughs> I'm interested to see where Bellingham goes. That could be really interesting. I'm already tired of the Mbappe story, even especially because I just I don't think there's a way he doesn't end up at Real Madrid next season. I just I don't see it. No, because when you're killing Mbappe, you don't have to. You don't have to look for other teams. You go out and pick a super duper star. He's like, okay, here's where I want to make it, and somebody's gonna. Mm-hmm. Um. That said, in, in the words of our beloved Wayne, he's Tim Ply. <laughs> That's how fucking soft he is. He's um, soft. All this can change with um, the resurgence of Mbappe 2023. <laughs> That's that's the real copium. <laughs> Liverpool missing on, on Bellingham so they can get Mbappe. Yeah, forget that. It's just PSG playing possum. We're getting Oh man. Yes. Oh, it'd be great. Um yeah, I mean if Mbappe wants to go to Madrid, he's gonna end up in Madrid. It's a, it's gonna be just a time thing, but it's the best time for it. And it looks like it may just go ahead and be this summer. Cause I think Mbappe Mbappe was cool. And kind of gave PSG one more chance, and PSG have done nothing but fall on their faces. Mm-hmm. So honestly, if I'm Mbappe, why the hell do I want to spend another year in that shit? Yeah, they're not going to go out and get you good enough to win the Champions League. I mean, to me, Mbappe staying in Paris after this season is just—he's just spinning his wheels. Yeah, he's making a lot of money. So he'll make a lot of money wherever he goes. Um, I think Mbappe is also, he is a competitor and he wants to win the biggest prizes because he wants to be considered the best player in the world. And to do that, you've got to be winning more than the fucking French League. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly, I think it's time. I think somebody needs to make a move this summer. Um because th- this is becoming nearly an untenable situation. Yeah. Especially because you can't get rid of Neymar. Yeah. Just literally because no one wants it. No one will take it. 
Um, you know, I honestly think that if they were able to get Neymar out of there, I think Mbappe would be like, all right, you know what? Mm-hmm. We got a chance, clean slate. Here we go. Let's, do, let's run it back and try something else. But Neymar basically holding the club hostage with how much damn money he makes mm-hmm. and how little production he actually gives back. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I understand it. it's just it's just Mbappe comes off like a bunch of as per usual. Um, so yeah, that'll that'll do it for that story. We will can't wait to can't wait to keep keep up with that. Um, our final little story here. Uh, this was from last week, but didn't get a chance to talk about last week. Um, so just a quick update. Um, Alexander Mitrovich, um, this is from Peter, uh, Peter Rutzler over at The Athletic, um, was handed an eight-game ban after his push on Chris Kavanaugh in their FA Cup match against Manchester United. Um, Mitrovich has also been hit with a 75,000-pound fine, uh, and Marco Silva also gets a two-match touchline ban and has been fined 40000 in total. Um, and I do believe that is an all... Um, all match thing so he i believe is about done for the year um so yeah so he sat out Fulham's two undefeated defeat to bournemouth uh on the weekends we have seven games left to serve um he missed the west ham <laughs> match so then it's just everton leeds villa city liverpool leicester yeah he, i think he'll get oh they'll have three games remaining when he comes back um so there's now, a chance for him to come back and play yeah. Now, I mean, the interesting thing is like to, um, you know, unless something randomly changes, I don't think Fulham is really pushing for a Champions League spot or even like fifth place. And they're also not in danger of getting relegated by any stretch of the imagination. So this is kind of OK. I mean, obviously, it sucks for Fulham fans, but hey, this is great because, yes, you, you can't do what he did. You cannot push the referee. You cannot do it. Um, if you're but, free, you can elbow Andy Robertson in the face. Yeah, that's. Um, yeah, I haven't actually yeah. seen an update on that. Is there anything? Have you heard anything about anything? Happening no, to that nothing. Nothing. I, I believe he's been. They've gone ahead and just like suspended him for this week. OK, uh, but I, I would be shocked to see him. Beginning. Yeah. I, I I as well because that was that was rather shocking to watch, uh, especially in slow motion. Um, not that you know, all a lot of us here haven't wanted to maybe do the same to Andy Robertson, but if you're in a position like oh. Eli's, then maybe <laughs> maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> just just throwing that out there. It's kind of your job to be impartial. Doesn't look very <laughs> impartial to try and hit somebody in the face with your elbow. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't pull that. Can't do that um so yeah um that that will be mitrovich's ban um so that is going to do it for our news and notes let's head to the uh the part where we pimp the athletic Wes, what uh what great stories do you have from the athletic this week and the main story that i want to touch on is one that i uh, teased last week in the anvil corner it's that damn good a story we had to come back to it from April the 4th, Rustin Dodd and Jason Jakes. How the Red Sox became the idiots 
Manny, Pedro, Millar, and the most fun clubhouse ever. Whoo! Folks, the the team that broke the curse. Um maybe not the greatest baseball team ever assembled, but by God, they might have been the most fun ever assembled. Mm-hmm. And, and they beat the Yankees in Yankee Stadium in game seven. Fuck the Yankees. Go Sox. Um <clears throat> fantastic story. They get um they get firsthand accounts from a ton of the guys. Uh, including including Kevin Millar, who just <laughs> if you don't know about Kevin Millar, I don't know what's wrong with you. Kevin Millar is a fucking trip. Mm-hmm. Will he get on your nerves sometimes uh doing his broadcasting? Yes, he but man, Kevin Millar is an absolute American treasure. <laughs> he is a gem. Uh, <laughs> he is he is maybe the best storyteller in baseball. And he was like the centerpiece of the club. Um, it, it brought up all the old memories. Johnny Damon doing naked pull-ups. <laughs> oh, God. Johnny Damon, when we still loved him, man. Before he, before he cut his hair. and uh, That was a different person. God. Yeah, he played like a damn different person, too. He played like a <laughs> bitch. He went from being a shit to being a bitch in like three months. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite things was the shit about Ramirez confirming like his <laughs> retardation. But how he's just like this absolute savant when it came to swing. Yep. Uh, yeah, just uh, the dancing in the bear. Kevin, Billy, you dance, you're a bear, you're dancing. What the hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> that was absolutely wonderful. Um, just a, a wonderful walk down memory lane. As this year, now this year, it is 20 years since the most horrible moment of my baseball life. Game mm-hmm. seven, extra innings. A ball that I still have never seen land in the stands because I can't watch that highlight. Mm-hmm. As as soon as I see Tim Wakefield go into his uh, wind up, I, I either walk away or turn the channel. I can't watch it. That's um, yeah, didn't didn't see it that night. Uh, as soon as Boone hit the ball, I literally got up and stormed out of the house. I was watching the game um, and kicked over a handicap parking sign. Fair. Yeah, yeah, very very much. So. I, th- I think that was a little understated. I really felt. Um, but yeah, just. Fantastic story. The blast from the past. Good times. Um, that that really it. That that's pretty much the only one I got. I didn't see a ton this week that I was looking at. Uh, just there are some recruiting stories, just some different things going on out there. Uh, but that was that was really my main story. I was safe since last week, and I wanted to, I wanted to. I would say that was a uh, that was definitely also one of my stories. Um, that, oh, that was such a good story, such a damn good story. Um, I do have a couple other stories. Uh, one from this week uh, from Jacob Whitehead. Uh, Marshall Islands revisited the Englishman taking football to the last country on earth without a team. Um, this is a super fascinating story. 
about a very small group of islands uh, just off the the like Asian Pacific coast, um, a little northeast of Australia. Um, they have just over 60,000 people and uh, they do not have their own football team. But people are trying to change that. So go check out that story. It is fascinating. And then um, a, a good story, a good story from Evan Drellich. A good baseball story from Evan Drellich. Uh, not that he's a bad writer, but in the terms that it's a positive story. Um, because usually when I see a byline from Evan Drellich, it's, oh God, what the hell is happening on baseball? Why is it on fire again? Um, no, but this one, minor leaguers ratify first collective bargaining agreement. What changes are company? company? Sorry, coming. My apologies. Um, so there's been uh, minimum salaries, annual salaries now. Um, which have gone way up for at all levels. Um, for example, at AAA, the minimum salary was seventeen thousand five hundred. Now it's thirty five thousand eight hundred, um, which is still a little low, you know, considering you know working wages, especially where a lot of these teams are located. But this definitely a step up. Even at Single A, it's now gone up from eleven thousand a year to twenty six thousand two hundred for a minimum. That is so so good. Um, for these players, obviously, it could still be more, but this is really, really good. There's also improvements to MLB's housing policy and other things at hand, along with transportation. Go read the entire article. This is great for minor league baseball. Um, it is great for the players, um, especially after it looked like things were going to get a little weird after Major League Baseball took over and started shopping off uh, different organizations. Uh, this is this is a really good outcome from that. So, uh, again, Evan Drellich has a really good write up on that. Um, now that brings us, Wes, to our watch for what have you been watching in the last week or so or the week that will be? So, Ed, on Saturday, 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 I think it was Saturday. I can't remember what day that was. It was one day or this weekend. Um... We were going to watch something. I can't, I can't remember what we were going to watch. But we could. Hold on. What were we going to watch? The, uh, that was it. That was it. It is some movie called like The Devil Within or something like that. Oh, I've heard was of that. I don't country? know what it is, but yeah. Oh, I Oh, that's right. So we were going to watch this, right? And then we turned it on, and we realized about 10 minutes into it that we had already seen it. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we were like, oh, crap, let's find something else. So um, we, we ended up looking around, and we found a movie um, that, you know, we had seen the previews on, and we were like, oh, let's go for it. Uh, Knock at the Cabin. Oh, a, I read about this one. Yes, uh, an M Night Shyamalan yeah. Ding Dong. Yep. And Ed, I'm gonna say after watching this, this was the best M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong I've seen since uh, what was it? Since Six Sense would be a Shyamalan movie. Yeah, it was really good, actually. I know Rotten Tomatoes is a 67%. IMDb is a 6.1. I'm not saying it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. But it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, it had some real interesting moments in it. That's it. Uh, 
not the best movie I've ever seen, but certainly not the worst. And we watched it, and it was uh, it was two hours that we were like, all right, cool, totally fine with watching that. So uh, that was uh, that was our movie. And then we watched a uh, a documentary about uh, Dusty Rhodes, yeah, Malcolm Dream, baby. Because you know um, why not? Why not? Yeah. Um, fun <laughs> fact about uh, Knock at the Cabin: uh, the movie ending differs from the book ending. Interesting. Didn't know there was a book. There, <laughs> it is. It is based on a book. Yeah. It was based on a book. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's why. That's why it's probably one of the better Shyamalan movies because he just yeah. got it from somewhere else. Because it wasn't just his bullshit. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Good times. Yeah. So uh, I mean, like I said if, if you know, I wouldn't like totally go out of my way to watch it. I wouldn't make it like appointment mm-hmm. viewing a week in yeah. advance. But you know, if uh, if if you're there and it's a <clears throat> say it's a gross little Saturday like we just had here in North Carolina, and you're like, oh, I'm so bored. Oh, I want to watch. Oh, well, you know, if you want to watch a little something, a little thriller, little little horror, little thriller. Um, Dave Batista basically being pretty awesome, actually. Uh, not not a bad flick. Knock at the cabin. Not a bad flick. Um. So I am. Uh, let me just uh, do 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 do. Um, um. Yes. Yeah. Um. So interestingly, now because I had to refresh because I I actually read through the uh, the Wikipedia plot synopsis when this mm-hmm. came out of both the book and the the movie because I was like I. Yeah, I'm not going to watch this movie. So I, I don't care. Just spoil me. Um, I'm just... Uh, do, 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 do. Um, yeah, the... Um, the book ending is slightly... Uh, I think slightly less hopeful. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, anyway, that's, you know, good, good, good for Bautista. Still getting work. Um, Bautista, my God! And, and um, print, I guess. Yes, yes. I was gonna say Anisha uh, recognized that um, the the ginger Wrong dude on there. Was yeah, it was from the Potter. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, not not that I give two shits because I never watched any of the Potters and I don't mm-hmm. plan to. Apparently, HBO Max is re- is like redoing all the Harry Potters, and they're gonna release them like in seasons, and each yeah. season is gonna be one of the books. Mm-hmm. Now, someone who doesn't give a shit, I don't give a shit, but I, I do find that kind of interesting how they're going to do that. Um, also interesting, it's not called HBO Max anymore. Oh, is it not? What it's am I just, watching then? It, it, I mean, to be fair, they literally just announced this today, <laughs> and I think it doesn't take oh, effect okay. until uh, next month. Um, oh, okay. Wes. So uh, saying, so I'm, I'm literally a- looking at my app right now that says HBO Max, but I'm just- so now they instead of calling it now HBO Max, get this, they are going to call it Max. So we're dropping the HBO. We are dropping the HBO. <clears throat> OMG. Because I, I I don't know why. And I'll tell you what. After all these years, I thought I was kind of big time finally getting some HBO in my life. 
Yeah, not, not anymore. <laughs> Lost my big time. Well, yeah. but really, the only reason I got it is because Optimum gave me a free year of it when I signed up for internet. That's fair. I do enjoy it though. Hey, I get to watch all the South Parks on there. Um, yeah, I had heard the, I had heard the Harry Potter news too. I think that that is uh, as someone who also doesn't really care about Harry Potter, I have seen uh, every movie. Also, shout outs mm-hmm. to one named producer Jackie because um, they do that thing. I don't know if you ever noticed that um, around the holidays, especially Christmas. I think it's like uh, it was like ABC Family, and then whatever that channel became after that. Um, the they would do shit. like the they would. Yeah, they would do like Harry Potter marathons, like where they would show all the movies. Uh huh. So one year, she decided she saw I was on. So she was like, "Oh, you know what? You've never seen them. I really love them. Let's watch them." And I was like, mm-hmm. "You know, what? okay, sure, fine, why not?" Um, I'd seen like part of the first one, and I'm like, "All right, whatever." Mm-hmm. So we're watching, we're watching, we're going through the whole thing, and one of the next, like one of the later movies starts up, and. I guess slight spoilers to anybody now for this probably 10 plus year old movie. Um, it starts off with uh, a character who I just watched in the, uh, or just met in the previous movie towards the end. Uh, it's Harry Potter is reading a newspaper and it says this dude is dead. And I was like, I turned to one name producer Jack and I was like, um, what's going on here? And she was like, Oh, um, he's in hiding. That's that he had to fake his death to be in hiding. Oh, and she, she was like, I, so I think what actually happened is I think, uh, the channel ended up skipping a movie. So we're gonna, we're gonna oh. find the movie. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, no, dude fucking dies in the movie that they skipped. He just fucking dies. So good try to Cosmic. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Jackie for, um, <laughs> for trying to uh trying to hide it and i she played it off very well i wasn't super convinced but she was she was fairly convincing and i was just like didn't you like when you notice you love this series when the title screen came up didn't you notice that they had skipped one of the movies she was like i didn't realize i'm sorry so um i will also say uh so it's serious black i think is the dude's name that dies um, one of the weakest jobber deaths I have ever seen, but apparently in the actual books, it's like this incredibly emotional, like heartbreaking death at the end of a book. And it's, it is such like a nothing thing towards the end of the movie. And I, like to the point I was like, wait, is he actually dead? Wait, cause it didn't really look like he died. Just kind of sort of faded off sort of a little bit. She's like, and like Jackie is tearing up beside me. So I'm like, oh no, I guess he really died. Hmm. Okay. Well, then. did he say, did he say, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good? Yeah. <laughs> that was a much more conclusive death. Yes, that <laughs> was a serious. Um, yeah. Uh, I was, I was going to say something about those. Oh, so for my, uh, my watch for this week. Um, so I haven't been super into Marvel stuff lately. Um, I we did watch She Hulk. Um, I still have to watch Thor four as well as uh, the new Ant Man. Um, I'm really not looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy three. 
uh, only because every single piece of Marvel marketing I've seen on it is trying to set up that Rocket's going to die. And God's sakes, I will be I will ugly cry if I have to watch that. So might be skipping that one. Um, oh, I can't skip. That's that's literally like the only one that the wife is looking forward to. I know, I know, I know, but I just keep <clears throat> the, the trailers and I'm like, mm, no, no, I don't, I don't think I can handle this. No, don't, don't, don't think I want to go through that. Um, but uh, one that actually looks really good is uh, the trailer that just came out for The Marvels uh, with, uh, with uh, Carol Danvers, uh, Monica Rambo, and uh, Kamala Khan, I think her name is. Um, from from the Miss Marvel TV show that looks really good, and I was kind of surprised. I found myself I was like, "Oh yeah, this actually looks really good," and I didn't even really care that much about Captain Marvel. But this looks this looks really good. I didn't even watch the TV show, and this looks good. And I went to like a couple of Reddit sites, and a couple of the one the the threads I saw on it were from people who were generally kind of burned out on Marvel. And the reaction was like overwhelmingly positive. So I'm like, okay, so it's not just me. This actually looks really good. Um, That's a plus. They need to, they really need something positive. That's not even us like yeah. trying to be silly or troll. They need something positive because it is just. Mm. just not yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this. I might even go back and uh, watch the Miss Marvel show. Um, I did find one of the comments funny. They were like, yeah, you know, I watched it and I saw a lot of people uh, talking about how cringe the dialogue is between the teenagers. And they're like, but as the daughter of or, or as the father of a teenage daughter. Uh, no, this is how teenagers actually talk. This was bang on accurate. I was like, oh, OK, well, that's, that's fair. So I might go back and oh. give it a watch. Um, but yeah, this this trailer looked really good. Um, so I'm excited. Also, I don't know when it comes out. Secret War. I've seen a trailer for that. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson still looks great. So I'm damn right, motherfucker. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm I was I was very pleasantly surprised because I remember they announced that movie, this movie, the Marvels, and I'm like, I don't sure, whatever. <laughs> um, but no, the trailer made it look really good. So hopefully it uh it pans out pretty well. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Did we? Oh, oh, we've been watching baseball. Yo. Yes. Yes. Yo, baseball's been yes. Really good this year. I mean, it wasn't really good the last couple of games for the Red Sox, but at least the Red Sox are giving the Rays games. Well, that, that's just league, because apparently. that's because Tampa's going 162 and 0 this year. So. Apparently. Um, I'm glad yeah, Boston really- even played them close. Um, but yeah, no, it, baseball's been really fun to watch. And like, I was even going to text you yesterday. Like it, we were, or not uh, maybe two days ago. Cause it was like a six 30 start in Tampa and it was eight 30 and it's already like the middle <laughs> of the eighth. And I'm like, this yeah. is amazing. This is great. Yeah, it is. This, I, I, I'm so happy we're here at this point now. So yeah, we, um, myself and one name producer Jackie, we had both kind of, I mean, she was always like a Mariana Rivera fan, not a huge quote unquote baseball fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So we've like quite a few of the nights since baseball started, we'll just like 
pick a game. It doesn't even have to be like necessarily a Yankees game or Red Sox game. I mean, we watched, I think it was like an Angels game the other day. It was like Angels Mariners, maybe. It was like, yeah, why not? Let's just let's just watch it for, you know, at least half the game. And it was really, really good. And it moves so much faster. It's it's crazy how much the pitch clock has has made everything go a lot faster. So I'm I'm really excited. Hopefully this this kind of feeling of reinvigoration stays for baseball because it's they desperately needed it. And hopefully, hopefully they keep coming uh, up with more good stuff like that. But Ed, as a purist, I want to watch three hour, 45 minute games that end up being four to one. Because that's real ball. Oh, my God. I know. I know. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. <sighs> yeah, I, I, literally, I literally had to read a uh, Facebook um, post from a, a guy who I know who just had to go on this rant about how they've ruined real baseball, blah blah blah, because he was a pitcher in high school. It's like, Shut up, dude! I watched you pitch and you weren't good. <laughs> um, so, I will say the one thing I've noticed, um, and it was very clear on opening day in the uh, the Phillies game. Um, and I've seen it and it happened kind of in a couple others. The one thing that this pitch clock has done that might be a little bit of a negative is that when an inning starts to kind of snowball out of control for a pitcher, it's yeah. really hard for them to be able to rein it in because you don't have like unlimited step offs. You can't really slow right. the game down anymore. Like you have to keep going. Um, I, I do think that's going to be a bit of an adjustment period. And I do think we're going to see like a lot of snowball innings, especially this first season with it um, of pitchers trying to like figure out how to deal and problem solve at a much faster rate than they were, especially, you know, and with also the, the re reduction in mound visits, you can't do that much anymore. So I, I think these are all still good changes, but that is if, if I had to see like an actual downside in what I've watched um, and again, more offense is good. This right. is like the one downside I would say is like, I can, I can tell watching pitchers. It's really hard sometimes to get out of bad innings um, without just like having to go to the bullpen. Like that, that seems to be the only yeah. answer is, well, we, we have to make a change. Um, again, not, if, if that's the worst thing that comes out of that, this is an overwhelmingly net positive for the game. I mean, stolen bases have oh, been God, awesome yes. this year. I mean, God, they're stealing. God, the, ugh, the Yankees are just stealing bases like, you know, like they were stealing superstars for years. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they they have they have figured it out early on. They are running. I mean, it, it's so exciting the uh, taking away the shift. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, once again, it was so exciting in our four hour four to one games. Uh, when a guy would hit a damn hot shot over between the hole um, or would hit, you know, hit a hot shot back up the middle. And thank God the shortstop was playing above second base so he could take mm -hmm. that away, you know, because by God, we don't need more. We don't need excitement in the ballgame. Um, so, yeah, man, between the pitch clock, um, the, the, the adjustments they made for base stealing and, you know, taking away the shift. Holy shit. I mean, Ed, as much shit as we've given Rob Bamford over the years, mm -hmm. 
I think we got to give them some credit right now. We're a few weeks in, and by God, I, I am enjoying. Yes, it's not the traditionalist uh, stuff that we're used to seeing, but by God, I'm enjoying where the game is going right now. Yeah, I, I was actually just about to ask you, how will Rob Manford fuck this up? Um, well, there's a way. There's always there's always a way. Where there's a Rob Manford, there's a way. Um, but yeah, as someone who was staunchly opposed, not from an excitement standpoint, but just from a realization of how damaging yeah. Cot's stealing was and how easy it was to, at a certain point, to catch uh, still, uh, runners trying to steal... I was someone very against like anybody trying to steal bases. Now that they've done this, oh, I'm all for it again. Let let's go. Let's hit and run. Let's steal bases. Let's do oh, it. Yeah. This is great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely um definitely changes the game, opens the game up. Because you know, baseball had kind of become like, well, you better you better have a lineup of guys who can take walks and hit home runs. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way you can do it. Man, now God, you, you know, like when we were kids growing up, man, like the one team that vividly sticks out to me is the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals never had anybody who hit more than like 25 home runs. But, mm-hmm. man, they had four or five guys who could contact and could run bases and could steal and could turn damn singles into doubles. They always had about half their roster could do that. And, and you know, it's – the, the cool thing about baseball is when you have variety, where not everything yes. is the same. Yes. And we're finally seeing, we're going to see teams that are put together differently now. You know, you talk about, you know, organizational values and this is how we play in this organization. I mean, you're going to get organizations that, like you said, they want to hit and run, they want to steal, they want to bunt. You're still going to have organizations who are like, nah, man, we're just going to hit the fucking long ball. We're just going to hit bombs, baby. Um, but that contrast in style of play is what makes everything interesting. What does they say? Matchup, um, styles make matchups. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're finally going to see that again, maybe, you know, other than the fact that everybody thinks you have to throw a hundred. Well, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's always going to be that now. I think, I, I don't think anything's yeah. going to change that. Let's say like move the mound back or something. Um, one thing. I do think, and to, to your point about styles, one thing that actually can kind of, you can start building a roster around again, is your home <sighs> ballpark. Like, yes! If you yes. if you actually have a good hitters, or like a park that is going to produce a lot of home runs, then yeah, go out and get like eight guys that are going to hit you 30 plus home runs and construct your lineup like that. Great. Just mash all year. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You have a huge ballpark. Okay, get a bunch of speed guys. Because that's okay now. You can do that. You can just play the contact with the, your entire lineup and just steal bases and go crazy. You can do that now. That's awesome. Yep. Choices, yep. man. Fucking choices. That's what we wanted. Who the who the fuck? Who the fuck? <sighs> that man. Maybe I'd like a Pepsi once in a while instead of just a Coke. Oh man. And, and, and even what if I want an RC Cola? Hmm. Or Ed, what if what if the Marlins play and you're like, oh look, it's a Walmart brand cola. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but every, every once in a while, that Walmart brand cola is really good. But unfortunately, the next time you go, it won't be there anymore. Yeah, and it's like you might get twelve in a pack, but like ten of them are going to fall out the bottom or something. So. <laughs> yeah. well, every once oh. in a while, Josh Beckett comes out. 
Oh my goodness. That's right. So oh, yeah, yeah, man. baseball, baseball, I am in the words of uh should be Hall of Famer, Sammy Sosa. <laughs> baseball baseball be very, very good to me. Absolutely. This is, but apparently this Sammy is... doesn't speak English anymore, but whatever. That's you know, Congress happened. Um, this is really good. This is really good for baseball. I hope it continues. I hope uh Theo Epstein and and his his crew keep coming up with ways to advance the game in a positive direction because the changes they've made this year have been so so very good. So keep it up, Les. Keep it up. Yay, baseball. Yay, baseball. That is gonna do it though for this podcast. Episode 459 is now in the books. And we are going to shut it down. But before we do, uh, of course, uh, we are uh, powered by <laughs> Spotify for podcasters. Never going to get used to saying that, I think. We're also available on Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also check us on social media on Twitter. We, as a collective, we are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. I'm at West Brad Child 21. And I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show. You can email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Um, so that is going to do it for this week. Next, we'll, we'll be back with more Champions League talk. We will have our semifinal set. We'll be able to go through that, and we'll have another weekend of Premier League action to discuss as well. But before we get out of here tonight, Wes, anything else you want to add? Ed, you know, we like pimping our collegiate baseball. Mm. Like I said, I want you I want you to listen to that 11.7 pod. It 11. is a darn good one. 11.7, of course, that's how many scholarships college uh, baseball teams mm. are, uh, are a lot. Um, Ed, we're sitting here right now. The Foreign Affair podcast, we have both of our squads in the top 10 right mm-hmm. nationally. Uh, Virginia is, uh, you know, Wake Forest is getting all of the accolades in the ACC and Virginia's sitting there like, <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> Keep talking about them and just wait and see what the hell we're doing come June. Uh, they're playing just fantastic baseball. Uh, East Carolina got off to a rocky, uh, a rocky start in week one of AAC play. Uh, since then they are buzzsawing people again. Um, our, our one of our our best power hitters, Jacob Jenkins Coward, he's going to be out for about three weeks. Ed, the worst sports injury known to man, the ruptured testicle. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing, old JJC, that boy's got balls, man. He had already hit four out that week, including three, mm. three against North Carolina State. Mm. Three bombs to beat the Wolfpack. Got him. My. So oh go Pirates. Go Wahoos. Oh, Ed, I'll see you in Omaha. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, actually, 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 we'll probably just like go to a bar and watch it if it happens. But you know, true. <laughs> that, that, which wouldn't be so bad. Um, no. Shout outs to, yeah, the shout outs to UVA. Uh, first team in the nation to hit 30 wins today. Um, yep. Just uh, had a big se- I think, as far as I can tell, uh, they've lost one series so far. An ACC play that was to Virginia Tech. Uh, they lost two to one, but uh, I believe if I remember correctly, they took two out of three from UNC, two out of three from NC State, and then just swept Miami. If I am on point here, I believe that. you're. I believe you're right about the Miami one. So, um, also uh, <laughs> shout out to Jake Geloff. 
um, a dude we had talked about just a few weeks ago for um, mm-hmm. maybe pimping a slight bit too hard a home run against mm-hmm. NC State, um, just became uh, UVA's uh, career home run leader um, with 34 now in his career and still has like half a season to go. So Jesus. We'll see. Um, and if you think about like a lot of the great players that have come through there, guys like Ryan Zimmerman, um, Chris Taylor, who's still playing for the Dodgers, um, guys like that, you know, this guy could be the one that passes them all. Um, also, shout out to Matt Theis, who's playing for the Angels right now, and I randomly saw in an Angels game the other day catching, so good for him. Um, yeah, good stuff from college baseball, good stuff, and uh, it's never too late to uh, to get involved with that either. That is going to do it for episode 459 of the pod- Air Ford Affair podcast. For my Colin Crime and Wes Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy the football. And as always, fuck you, Everton. There you go. There you go. Oh, thank you for sending me that. I had actually uh, just tried to Very send welcome. it. Uh, by the way, podcast podcast is done. Everybody go away. Um, <clears throat> uh, I uh, at first tried uh, to look, look it up on my podcast app and uh-huh. couldn't find it because I had actually typed in like 11.7. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, so I just ran a search and I saw a point was actually on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>